Hey there, Pastor Mark Jordan here from Hope Church. Thank you for stopping by and welcome to our online ministry. While you're here, make sure to subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date on all the content that's released. And while you're online, visit us at our webpage at placeofhope.org. Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him. And we hope that this message today is helpful and inspiring for you as you continue to take your next step on your faith journey. Once again, thanks for visiting us and make sure to check us out at placeofhope.org. Well, good morning again. We are beginning our May message series, which is a series about nothing. How about that? Series about nothing. I'll tell you this little story about how this came to be. Uh, sometime late last year, uh, Mike Gobi and I were talking about uh, Seinfeld, and uh, I said, wouldn't it be kind of cool one Sunday to uh, maybe just have some of that music played? And he's the one that came up with the music for me for this, and Brent made the artwork. Uh, but, so during one of our spring series, when I was really hammering in on the idea that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ, which comes from Romans chapter 8, it dawned on me that, you know what, a series about nothing might go over really, really well. And so when I talk about a series about nothing, it's not so much about we're talking about nothing. But what I wanted to do was take a look at three or four instances of how the Scripture uses that word nothing and what it means for you and for me and for all of us as we contemplate living in God's world, living with other people. Uh, And, of course, we start with that whole mindset of Romans 8, right? That nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. And that's going to be a thread that will weave through each of these messages during this series. But today we're starting with, in our series about nothing, about how nothing is impossible for God. Nothing is impossible for God. Now when you think about that, when you think about what is possible and seemingly impossible, Just for a moment or two, think about in your own life where it is that you have come upon something that you thought was seemingly impossible. That you thought there's no way that I can afford this, or I can achieve this, or I can accomplish this, or I could go there, stay away from there, right? There's no way. It is absolutely impossible for this to happen or for this to not happen or for me to engage. You know what I'm talking about? Think about those times, those moments in your life where you're like, it is just absolutely impossible. Now, if we were to take that word impossible, divide it a little bit and turn the M into a contraction where it says I'm, imagine God standing here this morning and saying, I'm possible. Whereas you might approach this in terms of thinking it's impossible, how might God step into your situation right now and say, I'm possible. The scripture is full of times and moments and encounters with God and people, God and creation, and the various laws of nature and physics itself, where it seemed as though something was absolutely impossible. And God steps up and steps in and says, you know what? What you think is impossible, I'm possible. And it changes the dynamics of everything. One of the things that I believe we have to hold tightly to when we think about the idea of the possible or the impossible becoming possible comes with how 
God came to us to show us the way. So our starting theme is, as you see on the screen, nothing is impossible for God. That actually is a Bible verse. Luke chapter 1, verse 37. Now, contextually, since this is at the beginning of the Gospels, when I say the Gospels, we're talking about the New Testament here in particular. When we read this verse, nothing is impossible for God, the context is, is that the angel Gabriel has come and appeared to a young, unwed teenage girl named Mary. And the angel Gabriel told Mary that she is going to give birth to a son, and that son is going to be the savior of the world. And of course, Mary's initial response is, well, how is that possible? I haven't done anything to put me in a situation where I could even be with child. And then the angel's response is, nothing is impossible for God. And in fact, the way that this is going to happen and the way that this is going to unfold is going to be a miracle miracle now. But it's going to fulfill millennia of prophecies that are going to show that God is for his people. That God is for his people. And so Mary had to take that idea of, well, that surely seems impossible. And hear God step up and say through his messenger, Gabriel, I'm possible. That Mary has a completely different response. So let's look at that very next verse. Luke 138. Then Mary said, I am the Lord's servant. Let it be with me just as you have said. Can you imagine, can you imagine Mother Mary whispering any other words of wisdom than that? Let it be. Somebody over here got it. (laughs) Let it be. Let it be with me. What Mary is pointing to here is when she was confronted with the impossible. And God says, I'm going to make this possible. She had to respond in a way within her own heart and mind and soul. As to how she was going to react to what she heard. She could have said, oh, that's impossible. But rather what Mary chose is a word that we don't oftentimes like to use very often, which is surrender. When Mary was confronted with a choice to choose between what she deemed impossible and what God said is possible. She decided to surrender to what God said is possible. Because in all things, God is possible. With all things Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. And so Mary surrendered to that. Now again, think about your own circumstances. Think about your life. Think about those areas that you feel or fear are impossible for you. And if God were to show up right here this moment and say, yeah, but would you be willing to surrender to God? Or would you respond with your own, yeah, yeah, but? Which would it be? Are you willing to surrender Or to follow in those words of wisdom from Mother Mary and let it be. Let it be. My hope is, as hard as it can be for myself as well, that we will choose that pathway of surrender. And to recognize what God speaks to us through the angel that says, for with God nothing is impossible. Nothing. Egyptian army bearing down on you and you're standing at the Red Sea. Nothing is impossible. 
Think about all the miracles that the scripture speaks and teaches about. And we wonder, is this possible? And God says, with me, nothing is impossible. With God, all things are possible. So that's what we're going to break down this morning. But as we think about this idea about how with God, all things are possible, there is a core idea, a core meaning, a core intent that must frame the way that we look at the possibility with God. And the core meaning of what it means for all things to be possible with God comes back to the idea of salvation. It comes down to the idea of salvation. The core meaning about how all nothing is impossible for God comes down to the idea of salvation. Now, we've talked a lot in recent weeks about creation and how God created Adam and Eve and put them in the Garden of Eden and gave them the job and gave them the relationship and the whole design and intended purpose for creation with Adam and Eve from giraffes to aardvarks and all those other things was to be in a connected relationship with God and to glorify God through that relationship. Relationship. And yet sin came in through disobedience. And as a result, that intent was broken. And from the moment that Adam and Eve fell, God planned a process and put that process in motion. as though to say, I am going to redeem and bring you all back. And it can only be done through my son, your savior, Jesus. And so everything that plays out. From the fall in the Garden of Eden to where we are today comes down to the idea of salvation. So when we hear, when we read, when we see, when we feel that with God all things are possible, the core thing from which we need to take from that is salvation. And this gets intensely personal. There may be some in here this morning like, I get it, it's easy. It all revolves around, comes back to, ties into this tidy little bow of salvation. Thank you, Jesus. But there may be some in here that feel like I'm beyond saving. That I've done things, I've seen things, I've said things, I've gone places, I've taken things. Or you can reverse that. And you haven't done the things you're supposed to do. Haven't said the things you're supposed to say. Haven't been the person who God created and called you to be. And as a result, you feel like I'm a lost cause. It's too far for me. I'm broken and shattered beyond help. Correction. Salvation. So when you hear... That nothing is impossible for God when you think it's impossible for you to be saved and redeemed and restored. You are going to face a moment much like what Mother Mary did. My understanding of what is possible, what God's proclamation about what is possible. They're going to meet somewhere in the middle and perhaps find conflict with each other. Are you going to surrender to God and say, God, I believe that if you say that no one is too far gone to be saved, that your arm is not too short to save even the one who feels like they're farthest away, am I going to embrace and am I going to believe that? Am I going to surrender to that? The core meaning of nothing being impossible with God means that every single person, regardless of where you've been, what you've done, is worthy of being saved. Because all of it is about bringing us back into our original designed purpose 
to be in a relationship with God and to allow our lives, even the worst chapters in them, to glorify God. Nothing is impossible for God. And the core meaning of that has to be salvation. And it's our faith which brings that to bear. You see, faith is what activates that saving power of God. On Easter Sunday morning, we talked about resurrecting power and how the tomb, even though it was emptied of Jesus' body, was filled with hope. And then we talked about how that resurrecting power that brought Jesus back from the grave is the same power that surges in your life when you receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. And it is your faith that God is real and that his son Jesus came to die for your sins and was raised from the grave to prove his conquering over even the laws of life and death, that he is God, it is our faith in that which activates it all. Now, this isn't to say that you are responsible or that you have the ability to manifest God's power. God's power is. But the way that we respond to that, react to that, can and does make a difference. In fact, to me, when we looked at the scary Bible series back in October, one of the scariest things to me was when Jesus was in Nazareth and he was unable to perform many miracles. Why? Because of the people's lack of faith. It wasn't that Jesus didn't have the power. It was that the faith that is required in the hearts and the minds and the lives of the believers as followers is what helps manifest and activate that faith. Your faith in the fact that God is real and that nothing is impossible for God and that all things are possible with in and for God, your faith is what makes the difference. Your faith that even when you are standing up against something that seems completely impossible or insurmountable, your faith in God is what enables and encourages and empowers you and is a witness and available to other people to see is what helps people realize that God really truly is a miracle-working, wonder-working God. God's saving power is activated in faith. Think about the times when Jesus healed someone. He had the power to do it, but what would he say? Frequently, it's something along the lines of, your faith has healed you. Your faith has made you well. The power was constantly surging through Jesus, but it was the belief, it was the faith that God with whom all things are possible could accomplish the impossible within us. And so God's saving power is activated in our faith. And so we're going to take a little bit more of a look at that this morning. I want to turn your attention to Romans chapter 1 verses 15 through 17. This is the Apostle Paul writing. And in this writing, he says some pretty important things about the gospel and the power of God and how it all is connected and tied through with our faith. So let's read these words together and the words are going to be on the screen. The Apostle Paul wrote, that's why I'm ready to preach the gospel also to you who are in Rome. Now, really quickly, Paul's getting ready to go to Rome. He knows that's probably not going to work out really well for him physically. But he knows that the Spirit is nudging him to go. That wasn't a mistake. He's nudging and urging him to go. And so Paul is going with great eagerness and anticipation in spite of the physical fear that he may feel. He's going knowing that there is a reason and a purpose for him to go and to preach the gospel in Rome. Now when we talk about the gospel here, it's going to come up here in the next verse. We're talking about the good news of Jesus Christ, that God sent his one and only son to die for our sins and to be resurrected so that we know the power of grave and death has no hold over us because we are forgiven and in Christ we will live forever. Okay? So let's pick this up. 
So Paul goes, knowing that it's probably not going to go well for him in Rome, but he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. It's God's own power for salvation to all who have faith in God, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Now, the reason Paul gives a delineation here between the Jew and the Greek is uh, those of the Jewish faith and lineage and descendancy believe that they were God's chosen people. What Jesus revealed to uh, the Apostle Peter and the Apostle Paul and others was that God's plan all along, even going back to his birth when it was the wise men who came and visited him first, God's plan was always to include all people in his holy and forever family. And so that's why Paul writes this. I'm going to Rome because I'm going to go preach the good news of the power of God, not just to those who are of Jewish descendancy, but to everybody, even the people who you may wish that I wouldn't. But anyway, to carry on, God's righteousness is being revealed in the gospel, which is the good news, right? From faithfulness for faith, as it is written, the righteous person will live by faith. One of the things we think about the idea of faith and how it connects with us in the book of Hebrews, we can read how it says that faith is critical to please God. Because what faith recognizes first is that God is real. You hear me say it almost every Sunday, that God is real, God loves you, and has a plan and a purpose for your life. This is the essence of what I'm talking about with faith, to recognize that God is real and that God is love. And God has an intentional purpose for who you are with your strengths and even your weaknesses alike. Why weaknesses? Because if we were only strong, we would think that everything was dependent upon us. That's not the way that God wants us to work. God wants us to weave our lives in community with him and with other people so that my strengths may complement your weaknesses and your weaknesses and your strengths complement my weaknesses. And we, all of us are connected and attached to each other by God. This is the idea of faith that it is our faith that recognizes that God is real and that God is love and that he has a purpose for our lives. It's believing that. Even when it's hard to see, even when it's hard to understand, even when it's hard to comprehend, faith tells us and teaches us and encourages us to not lose sight of those three things. That God is real. That God is love. Even when the world may try to contradict it. And that there is reason and purpose and intention for who you are, where you are, and how you are connected to God, to each other, all through the blood of Jesus, which weaves through our lives and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is what faith does. This is that work of faith. And faith is a powerful thing. As I've already said, faith has this way of activating and manifesting God's power in our midst, which is an extraordinarily powerful thing for us to think about with the responsibility that, you mean my faith can have the difference in my life, but also somebody else's? Absolutely it does. To me, again, one of the scariest things was when Jesus was unable to perform many miracles because of people's lack of faith. It wasn't that they inhibited his power, but it's his power is activated in the way that we live, believing that the story and the meaning and the power of Christ is real. 
Jesus had something to say about faith. We read this in Matthew 17, 20. This is uh, the contextually here. What's happened is the disciples were having a difficult time casting out an evil spirit. And uh, they were wondering why they were having such a difficult time. And then Jesus utters these words in response. Matthew 17, 20 says, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Faith has the ability for us to tell a mountain to move. I wanted to have another object lesson for you today. I, I, I took my, my uh, iPhone with me down to uh, Kennesaw Mountain the other day. And I said, uh, Kennesaw Mountain, it is time for you to go jump in Alatoona Lake. I have the faith that I can do it. And you know what happened? I had to hit stop, start over. Kennesaw Mountain, go jump in Alatoona Lake. And it didn't happen, right? <laughs> I'm being a little hyperbolic. I really didn't do any of that uh, at all. But still, uh, the idea here is, is unique because what we see Jesus saying is if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, which in the uh, Galilean region is the smallest of all the seeds, we're talking teeny tiny. Jesus says if you have faith even the size of a mustard seed, you can go tell a mountain to jump and it's going to jump. Go tell a mountain to go jump in a lake, it's going to jump in a lake. And that had to seem almost absurd to Jesus' listeners, but we have to remember contextually what all of this means because it's very, very purposeful. Those who heard Jesus would have known very, very clearly and vividly that Jesus wasn't actually talking about telling mountains to go and move. Because a mountain mover is a metaphor for a problem solver. Mountain mover is a metaphor for a problem solver. And so when we hear Jesus say these words, you can say to this mountain move, he's not talking specifically about uh, a certain geographical or geological formation. What he's talking about are the problems that we face in our lives. That if you approach your problems with faith, then your problems have a way of moving in a, in a way that you never believed or thought possible. A mountain mover is a problem solver. And so Jesus teaches us to approach all of our problems with faith. There are a lot of mountains in this room this morning, aren't there? There's at least one, if not an entire range, for every heart and mind and soul that is gathered here together today, as well as online, or if you're experiencing this later, through the archive or on a podcast. There are many, many individual mountains and mountain ranges that we encounter and experience in life. Jesus says, if you tell your mountain, your problems to move, and you approach it with faith, it will move. What happens, though, when we typically stumble upon a mountain that we fear is immovable? What do you think? When you come upon a problem or a struggle or difficulty, how do you respond? Tell me. Stress. Give up. Agitated. Agitated. I like that one. Panic. Panic. Yeah. What else? You on this side of the room? Yeah. Oh, good. Good, good, good. Pray. Sometimes I get angry. Just me. I didn't expect that mountain to be there. 
I thought I was taking a shortcut. Hmm. What was that? Oh, very funny. Yeah. Yeah, poor attempts at humor are mountains, so we have to deal with sometimes too. You see, the thing that's interesting about the way that we typically respond to the problems that we face is that we respond to the problems that we face. We put ourselves in the center of it and not God. So when Jesus talks about even if you approach your problems with the smallest aspect of faith, which says, God, I believe that you're real. I believe that you're here. I believe that you have a purpose for even the mountains that I face, the lessons that I can learn. You're going to get somewhere with the problems. If you put God first, God at the center, God at the heart. Jesus teaches about mountain moving to approach our problems with faith. And faith says that God is real and that if God can conquer the grave and conquer death, God can conquer anything. Last week, we talked about doubting Thomas and how I mentioned that certainty was one of the reasons that led to his doubt. Why was that? Because Thomas was certain that what he experienced on Friday and what he saw on Saturday was the way that it was. You see, Jesus came and he was executed for those crimes, but he wasn't just executed. He was brutalized. He was tortured to the point where he was disfigured. He was unrecognizable. He had nails pierce his hands and his feet and his side and a crown of thorns pierce his face. The scripture tells us that Jesus was beaten beyond recognition. Thomas was certain that nothing could overcome that and that it would not be possible for Jesus to have survived that, let alone come back from it. And Jesus appears in the roots. It's impossible. Impossible. And there Thomas proclaimed my Lord and my God. The problems that I think are immovable. When I invite the possibility of God in the midst of it. Everything changes and transforms. So when we look at this Matthew 17, 20. One of the things that we oftentimes recognize is that we misunderstand Jesus' intent. And I say that specifically because of how it's noted that nothing will be impossible for you, right? We read that, say nothing will be impossible for you. The reality is that all too often, even when we try to approach the world and life and all of its problems with faith, we still want to keep putting ourselves in the center, ourselves at the heart, ourselves in the middle. And what Jesus is trying to tell us is that our power is not in our own mountain-moving capabilities. It is faith in the God who can and does do anything. That's what mountain-moving faith is all about. About taking yourself out of the center, out of the middle, out of the heart of it. And putting God right there where God belongs. And allowing the mountain-moving capabilities of God to come into any problem, no matter seemingly how impossible it may be, and say, Dear God, dear Lord, I believe that with you all things are possible. Forgive me for the times when I live as though everything is dependent upon me. And I think I'm the one who has the mountain-moving power. Dear Lord God, help me focus on the one who truly does move mountains. So I've got a nothing checklist for you this morning as we bring this first message in our series to a close. 
First question is, do you really believe that nothing is impossible for God? I mean, do you really believe it? Or do you behave as though you don't? It's one thing to say you believe that nothing is impossible for God. And it's quite something else to actually behave as though nothing is impossible for God. The second question is, is are you working to get your motives aligned with God's will? Because there are times when the way that we would act or the way that we would pray might not be in sync with what God wants for us. I mean, I can't tell many times how long, I mean, how often I have prayed in the song, you know, dear Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? And God's perfectly fine with me driving my 09 Camry. And I'm perfectly fine too, right? But it's about getting your motives in line with God's will and making sure that the the mountains that you face really, truly are mountains and believing that God can do anything about them. And then do you trust God? Do you trust God to perform his miracle-working, mountain-moving miracles in your life? I've talked before about how I went through a period of time in my prayer life. I was like, I trust you, God, but that's not true faith. And all the times that I've prayed that God would work something out according to my own will or my own preference or desire, that's not surrender. And so it brings us back to the idea, do you really believe that nothing is impossible for God? If you so do, let's aim to live that way. To surrender. And say, Lord, I find the possibilities in the impossibilities. I find the faith to stand strong and firm even when I don't always understand the plan and purpose that you're working out. For my good and for the good of others. And I trust you. Even when in this momentary second, I may not understand it or like it. I trust you. And why? Because nothing's impossible for God. And in those moments we say, is it possible? Let Jesus show up and show out for you and say, I'm possible with me. possible. As the band makes the way back up, let's, let's gather together in prayer. And maybe you're at a spot this morning where it feels like you're facing an impossible problem, a mountain that just can't seem to be moved under your own power. And that's right. I want you to have the faith and the surrender and the hope to face even your biggest and most challenging problems with God. So let's pray together. Living and loving God, I give you thanks for this day and for the promise that with you all things are possible. Forgive us for those moments, many though they are, where we feel like everything rests upon us, revolves around us, and centers in us. Help us to find the faith to surrender whatever it is that we have before us this morning to you. To know that you are working 
everything together for us, even in these momentary moments where it may not feel or look or seem like it, that we may have the faith to just let it be as it will be. And so, Lord God, for those this morning who may be making a decision of faith or choosing to surrender a mountainous problem to you, I know that there are celebrations taking place in paradise. And I pray that we may connect with that with a holy and a helping energy in this room this morning as we confess once again that nothing is impossible for you. And so may we find the faith, may we find the surrender, may we find the trust to turn over whatever it is that we face, face to you in faith and to seek your power to help us approach our problems, our struggles, our worries, all of it, Lord, with the knowledge that you are real and that you love us and you do have a purpose for our lives. Help us to live into that for our benefit, for the benefit of others, and for the benefit of all the world. And I ask this in the name of your Son and our Savior Jesus, in whom all things are possible. Amen and amen. Thank you again for joining us today. We are glad that you stopped by. Again, we want to encourage you to visit us online at placeofhope.org. If you're in the Paulding County area there, you can get service times, directions, and information about all of our awesome activities for children, for students, and for adults. Again, Hope Church is on a mission to introduce people to Jesus and fuel their love for Him, and we hope to provide you the heart fuel you need to follow Jesus. Thanks again.